I'm James Ingram, and welcome to Make My Logo Bigger, where we speak with creatives in the ad business. Jive has had the absolute pleasure of working closely with today's guest over the past few years. We can't say enough about her. An accomplished marketing and communications professional with nearly two decades of proven experience in strategic communications, our good friend, Callie Gallant, a self-proclaimed science geek who found her place in marketing on a whim. Callie's superpower is her problem-solving creativity and ability to efficiently guide partnership negotiations and execution. Whether it be with a global movie production company like Disney, a telecom like Virgin, or a tiny little community partner. She has formulated a tried and true approach to ask the right questions and create plans that help move the needle. Kelly, why don't you give us a bit of background as to how you've gotten yourself to this point professionally? Well, it was certainly nothing that anyone expected, I don't think. I didn't grow up being a creative kid or, or talking about wanting to be in business. It was all science. So I really threw everybody curveball when, when I decided to get into marketing. I, you know, Growing up, I had chemistry sets and I was constantly mixing chemicals and looking at things under microscopes. And I had two Barbies, but yet, you know, an encyclopedia set from the Smithsonian. And, and those were kind of the things that I was interested in. I was just always really thirsty for knowledge, I think, and uh, wanting to know what was going on around me. And, and even in school, I that curiosity stayed even through junior high and high school. I was, I was constantly taking electives that were, you know, how geology, how does the what's the composition of Peggy's Cove and, and oceanography and just any kind of knowledge that I could get I was interested in. And I, I think when I went to um, to apply for university, I pre-applied and I was going to get into science because that just sort of seemed like the path I was on. It was the night before our paperwork was due that I was talking to my girlfriend who was going to St. Mary's with me, who had decided to switch to business. And just on a whim, I decided I have to switch too because I can't be without you. So it was that easy. That's how easy it shook me from my entire life path to get into something different. My family was not happy. Um, and secretly, I was in a bit of a crisis mode because I had absolutely no idea what someone in business did. I had never even thought about right. what that path might look like for me. And to be honest with you, I, I even finished university with that very expensive piece of paper, not knowing what the heck to do with it. I had learned a lot about time management. Sounds familiar. Right. <laughs> I think for a lot of people. Yes. And, and it's okay to talk about because you don't necessarily get... University is not always school for... Uh, it's not always the practical experience that you need for work eventually. Sometimes it's other life skills, right? I learned a lot about how to work in teams and how to collaborate on projects and um, how to manage my time, how to, you know, cram for an exam on a hangover, things like that. Yeah. But I, I didn't necessarily learn what someone in marketing does. In fact, I had no idea. And I remember getting my degree and crying, thinking, did I just spend, because I paid for my own degree, did I just spend all that money on something that I can't use? So I went on a bit of a soul search for a few years and just traveled, sold everything I owned and uh, worked and traveled, worked and traveled, worked and traveled, dabbled in marketing, but was really just kind of, I was saying I was finding myself, I was really hiding because I didn't know what to do when I came back. Very honest. <laughs> well, I can say that now. That was not what I told my parents when I left. Yes. But, um, when I got back, I, I still didn't know. And unfortunately, I was no closer to the answer than when I had left lots of great life experience, but still, what do I do now? So I, I typed into Google, marketing jobs in Halifax, the day that I got back. Which literally. A few years later, literally, hoping that Google would enlighten me. And uh, there was this job that came up 
I think the title was marketing assistant and it was for New Bodies Fitness, which was, you know, a great Atlantic Canadian success story. Yes. Owned by Dean Hartman at the time. Uh, later was sold to Good Life Fitness, but at the time it was still New Bodies. This little marketing assistant role, which was as junior as it could possibly get, the job description lit me on fire. It was like everything in my body was telling me, you have to get this job. And that's, I don't know, that's a pro and a con, but that's how my gut reactions work. It's not this little nudge that I can ignore. It's my entire body is just propelled toward whatever it's telling me to go toward. So I fought for that role, got it, and it, it was the best thing that could have happened to me. It was um, all genres of marketing in one. I got to try everything. And luckily, I worked at the time for a woman who was just still is probably the smartest woman who I know. Her leadership style was very autonomous, very trusting. So she would give me these massive projects like go um, go chat with Pattison and, and figure out where our billboards are going to be when I had no business making those decisions at the time. Um, but she trusted me and I sure made mistakes, but she was she guided me through those. So they turned into learning experiences. It was the best. She was a great mentor. Oh, and still is. I love her. Um, it's And you need, in your first job, I feel like that's very important for young people to pay attention to it and not just chase the paycheck, but it is an extension of your education, those first couple roles. And you really learn more about your craft and what you what gives you energy and what sucks your energy. And, um, you know, that interaction, that very first boss that you have in a career role, I think is really important. Yeah. We all know how bad um, an experience with a, a poor teacher or someone, a teacher who just has a negative experience or it gives you a negative experience can be. So having a positive one can really be life-changing. And it luckily can. for me, Melissa was. So um, I was able to, during those first couple of years, figure out what gives me energy, what sucks my energy, what am I good at, what am I not so great at, um, what do I really want to pursue. And and by the time Good Life came knocking to purchase the company, I was able to speak up for myself and say very clearly, this is what I really want to do. Um, and this doesn't always happen, but luckily they were able to create a role around that. And I got to just play in my dream sandbox for, for years after that. I can really relate to that. So your confidence level through that job, that initial job went through the roof or you identified where you wanted to play. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, from a selfish perspective, I've, I don't know where this came from, but I've always felt life is short. So I'm very cautious of how I spend my time. You know, so I, if I'm doing something- You're selfish would, with your time. Exactly. I think that's a positive. Exactly. I, I want to make sure that it's really adding to my life and also making me a better person. It's not always possible. No. We all have to do laundry, but, um, you know, it's- I like that. <laughs> it's just something I try to chase. It's something I aspire to, um, to look for in, in the ways that I spend my time. So with Good Life, I got to hone in on exactly what I love to do, and that was uh, mainly partnership management. So that was, you know- um, all of the event contracts or our cross-promotional contracts, all of our sport contracts. I was flying all over the place like a ping wow. pong ball, wow. um, signing hundreds and hundreds of contracts. And it doesn't sound like necessarily energizing work, but the the thing that I drew energy on was that it was the first, it was the first discipline within marketing, I guess, that I'd found that I could apply my love for science or my love for like scientific method toward marketing. Interesting. Because I would, before, you know, if I was flying in to meet with the Oilers or something, I didn't know nothing about hockey. And so in order to make sure, you know, because it was my role to make sure that the brand partnership with them was going to meet our key objectives as well as theirs. I had to do my due diligence to really research them as an organization, know really 
clearly uh, what our key objectives were and then find out what they were doing in market to try to make those things happen. And and I got I got good at like pulling out that information during those initial meetings to be able to prescribe a plan to test out and then measure. It's it really is the scientific method, yeah, but just applied to a different it discipline. Is. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's what I really enjoyed for the longest time. But, you know, uh, babies happened and I wanted to come back home and and I, I no longer wanted to be that ping pong ball. And so I, I started looking for something else that would fill my cup. And, and then I found Brigadoon. Wow. Can, can you share with us a bit about Brigadoon Village and the work that you do there? Sure. And how long have you been with them now? I've been with them almost for two years. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so how did, did they find you? Did you find them? How did that no, happen? No, I found them. It was another, you know, I, I had never, I wouldn't have ever told you I would be looking in the not-for-profit sector. It just wasn't even on my radar. But I came across the job description. A, a couple of people sent it to me. And again, I got that, you know, full body electrical pulse. I, I felt like it was something I really wanted to go after. I was nervous about doing something so far outside my comfort zone. I felt more confident in sport marketing and not knowing. What drew, what drew it? drew you to it the the content the, the honestly the fact it was that the children more, were it was about sick kids or well two things one yes to answer your question my little brother has down syndrome and uh, my experience with summer camp um as a protective older sister with him was i didn't want to be separated from him so i always attended camps for kids with disabilities or for kids who were sick i was at my camp was um full of kids with autism and cp and and down syndrome because i just I was so nervous about him being separated from me and and maybe him um, a, a bully being in the camp or something yeah. like that. So we our summer camp was in the basement of the Knox United Church in Sackville. Nothing fancy, nothing campy, um, but we went through the same motions, had the same rituals as a summer camp does, and it was awesome. I didn't know yeah. any different. But when I saw what Brigadoon was doing for kids with health challenges or um, chronic illness or with other life challenges, you know, bereavement and such, I, it just connected with me on a visceral level of how impactful or how important that must be for, for kids and for parents too. Um, but then secondly, I think the thing that jazzed me up about the role is that it was very much like that marketing assistant role. It read as such, it read as a, doing everything. And that is true. I am a one person department, so I am doing everything. And I, I kind of like changing it up like that. It keeps things um, new. And I, I knew that that would be a role that I could really dive into that would be challenging above my current skill set and that I could sort of grow into. And you like having the wheel? Like it was a position that you could tell that you were going to be the decision maker with regard to that? Yes, I do like having the wheel, but I also like having a bus full of really competent, awesome yeah. people. Yeah. I couldn't drive a bus by myself. I I actually, my work is better and I'm a better person if I'm surrounded by people who I really, really deeply respect and who I know are in uh, the role for the right reason. And and luckily that describes the Brigadoon team perfectly. Um, and it's, it's a really progressive team. They give me a lot of creative freedom. I came in there um, wanting to shake a bunch of things up and they, they let me do that. And uh, they know that my heart is in the right place. So they, they trust my decision-making process, but. Um, it's so great when that happens. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's invaluable for someone like me to have the support and the guidance, but also the trust. That's the, the perfect combination yeah, for me. Yeah. That combination has to exist for, for success, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah. So on that, what is the biggest difference that you find between working beyond the obvious, working on national brands and now working with nonprofit? I, I initially thought it was different, but I've come now two years later to know that it's it's really not that different. It felt like a new language when I first started. And that was because I, you know, as I do when I get into something new and I want to find out everything about it, I I was calling a lot of people who worked in the not-for-profit industry to sort of, you know, ask about marketing in that sector. And the conversations I was having by and large were mainly donors don't like to know that their dollars are being spent on marketing. So stay quiet. That was the main message that was coming across to me. And it just wasn't jiving in my head because yeah. I thought that Brigadoon, I mean, for those who don't know what Brigadoon is, it's Canada's largest pediatric medical facility. It's a, it's a camp for kids who otherwise couldn't go to a regular camp. Um, these kids are sick or going through something super heavy. They come to our camp. They meet hundreds of other kids like themselves. They create lifelong friendships that really get them through some tough times. And it's in our backyard. It's in Annapolis Valley, and there's nothing else like it here. So it's it's so invaluable. And it's to me, it was like stumbling across um, a flying unicorn in my backyard. I I just couldn't believe. And this is before all the work that you've done, the upgrades and all the building and all the all the work that you've done there and the renovations. Yeah, even just the grain of the idea in Dave McKegg's head, um, our original founder. Earth. It just that concept is just. I mean, people. It's not often that you come across something that's new and fresh and just captures your attention like Brigadoon does for me. It's it's just just the concept, the fact that he brought the concept to life, the fact that so many people were so passionate about it that it became as big as it did. And mostly once I got into the role, hearing the campers and the families talk about what Brigadoon meant to them, that just, I mean, I had never come across a brand experience like that, you know, with other companies that I had worked for, we paid hundreds and thousands of dollars trying to become a love brand like a Harley Davidson or Lululemon or whatever um, to try to impress our customers so much that they felt so passionate about our brand that was ingrained on their soul. And that without even trying, that's what Brigadoon yes. is to the people who come to the camps that we host. And so to hear that as a marketer, I was supposed to say, stay quiet and subdued and not spend too much money and not certainly not look like I was spending too much money. Be careful with what, what card stock you use. Um, don't get the expensive kind. Don't do billboards too often. These are all the messages I was getting. I was thinking, okay, well, if that's what you guys say, but luckily I had an important conversation with, uh, this is how far I go in my scientific methods. I cold called someone who I used to ride my elementary school bus with, who I found out was the uh, director of philanthropy at Ronald McDonald House. His name is Chris Steves, and he's just a, a brilliant person as well. I called him, asked him for an hour of his time, and he had a completely different perspective on it. And luckily, I talked to him. He turned me on to a couple of TED Talks by a man named Dan Pelota, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, who flips the way that people think about not-for-profit marketing on its head and feels that, you know, these are the companies that should be spending money on marketing because for them to grow bigger helps our society as yeah. a whole, you know? Yeah. And I just got all jazzed up after listening to his uh, podcast and TED Talks and reading a couple of his books. And I thought, you know what? I want to shout about Brigadoon from yeah. the rooftops. And yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't necessarily approach it from the same, you know, status quo that you're supposed to as a not-for-profit marketer, um, but I'm doing it in the way that I feel best serves the organization and the, the kids that we try to help. Yeah, you want to show it about it. You want to spend about it. You want to, you want to, yeah, because it's so important. It seems counterintuitive to do it any other way. Absolutely. And for any not-for-profit, I mean, think about the services that not-for-profit organizations 
do. They fill in the gaps where our government services aren't filling the need. Yeah, the glue, right? the glue that binds Absolutely. us. Yeah. Absolutely. And for those organizations to feel, um, whether it's real or, or implied, that they should not be spending money on marketing in order to help the cause further itself along is just ludicrous to me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I think that as long as the right person is is in the chair, that they have good intentions. Like, I know personally that every dollar I spend on marketing is for the kids. I don't do anything without being really careful about where my money goes. And then secondly, I make sure that I'm doing my due diligence with people like yourselves when I uh, partner with you for a project that we're getting the fairest price possible. I've become really good at hustling and um, you know, trading things and doing whatever I can to make sure that we're fitting the best possible campaign into my existing budget. And I, for that reason, I know that every penny that we spend has good intentions behind it and, and is for good reason. And, and I think as long as that's the case, it totally makes sense for not-for-profits to um, invest in marketing, make sure that they're reaching as many people as possible and, and furthering the important yeah. work that they're doing. Yeah. And, and for our part, just for our input, we, we've been, it's been great working with you. Yeah. Um, and mainly because you're so respectful of what we do that it gets us kind of excited. Like you really believe in what we do and what we bring. So not that we weren't already excited, but you know what I mean? When you have a client like that, it just, it raises your expectation of what you want to deliver. You feel the importance deeply, right? Because of the subject matter. Right. Yeah. And and when I stumbled across your work, I, like I told you, I just hounded you guys until I could figure out a way that we could work together. We just, everyone at Brigadoon just respects your work so much. It it stands you. out. Um, you can, you can, you know, there are certain people in HRM, certain companies that are doing work that just really stands out above anything else. And I, I don't necessarily know when something is a jive campaign, something that you've shot, but um usually how it happens is something will really stand out to me and then I'll hear that you're involved and then I'll connect the dots and say, of course you were. You yeah. know, the, the Port City campaign is is one example. I just, it just blew me away. And then I found out you were involved and it it makes total sense. Yeah, and, and hearing that is, thank you very much, but it, it's wonderful to work with clients that see, have the same vision for outcomes, that see the the importance of quality and crafting things. That just makes our job so much easier when you're not fighting against that. Right. And and you always come ready to work. I mean, you show up, the jaws drop at camp every time you show up because it's serious. You know, the yeah. equipment that you bring, the attention to detail, the work that you've put in ahead of time, the conversations that you've had to make sure that you're um, running the show efficiently, the direction that you give. It's just, it's like no other experience that we've had with someone in the same industry. You guys yeah. just really, you're a step above for sure. Thank you. You mentioned uh, Ronald McDonald House. We see that Ronald McDonald House is important to Brigadoon. How did that relationship come about and, and where is it going? Yeah, Ronald McDonald House is uh, is one of my faves. I, As I mentioned before, I'm I'm just a fan of sometimes things catch my eye and you, you have to applaud really good work, work that really stands out. And I, I just find that Ronald McDonald House locally here at least is doing such a great job of um, showcasing what they do and and the important work that they do. As I mentioned, I touched base with Chris Steves, who works for Ronald McDonald House initially to sort of, you know, data mine his brain and figure out what I should be doing in my new role. But he soon after put me in touch with a couple of people from his team, mainly um, my counterpart there, his name is Jeff. And Jeff and I just, there are certain people who you meet. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but when you're working through a problem, there are certain people who are like lightning rods and they can kind of just, you know, bring your idea to a new level or help you 
you see through a really muddy problem. And, and Jeff is kind of that person. I, I think because we we were for the longest time both one person department. Yeah. Um, we both have a, a little bit of support now, but um, we could relate to each other in that way. And plus we help the same family. So we had encountered similar problems. So Jeff and I worked um, really closely together for at least my first year and, and still to this day, um, touch base with each other just to bounce ideas off each other. And that was invaluable. So that's just, you know, an interpersonal relationship or connection that I have to Ronald McDonald House. But I think since the beginning of our time, Brigadoon has been close with both the IWK and Ronald McDonald House. We're all serving the same yeah, master families. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's, again, one of those antiquated ideas in not-for-profit circles is that because you're fighting for donors, you can't be friends. But I think that's garbage. I it think is. We can, we can help each other so much more, especially if you're helping the same families by working together and, and making each other better. If, if I do something to support Ronald McDonald House, that helps their cause, which helps our family. So it's it's like we're, it's a symbiotic relationship and, and it's beneficial for everyone, but most importantly, our families. And that's what we're all here for. Yeah. So did you find you're pushing the traditional boundaries a little bit with marketing and nonprofit? In your role, you just mentioned, you know, these collaborations that don't normally happen, but you don't understand why and you're embracing them. So is there... Yeah. And I, I don't think I'm doing that to make a statement sure. or to be intentional about it. But yeah. I think because I don't know the rules of the game, I'm making it up as I go along. Um, and sometimes... Something wonderful about that. Right. <laughs> there's something. There's something. I mean, it's fun to kind of make your own playbook. I do, as I learn more, of course, I, I, I love to find out best practices, you know, what other organizations are doing and learn from the masters and soak in information from them. And I respect what's always been done. But I also, when I come across something, a status quo that just doesn't make yeah. sense to me, yeah. I don't want to follow that path. No. Um, because if it doesn't feel right in my soul, um, then it's not fun. Uh -huh. It's not going to be something that I put my full effort into. So I try to wiggle my way into uh, something that makes sense for the organization, um, but that also seems like the right path. Yeah. Yeah, and keep doing that is very important, I think. Otherwise, we just keep getting stuck, right? Right. Yeah, we don't always have to do the same thing. And I'm them. sure those rules that you're coming up against, they serve a purpose at some time, but life changes. I mean... Yeah, yeah, we need most, I always more knew that, social but support than ever. It's really changing now. Like Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, society needs not-for-profits, and I think yes. it's time that not-for-profits, I think, you know, budget should be opened up to entice good talent. Not-for-profit should have the best of the best talent. Yes. Not the corporations with, you know, billion-dollar budgets. It should be, I think it should be flipped because society can only get better by doing so. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I often think that how can we all be happy with all our things and our wonderful houses and everything when other people are not so fortunate? You know, you have to spread it, level the playing field as much as possible. I think it's maybe the goal. There's such a Divide. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, as a, a parent of Be a bridge of healthy children, you Same. have to. It's you if you don't feel compelled to help a parent who is experiencing a situation of having a sick child or a chronically ill child, if you don't feel compelled to help that parent, there's something you have to do some work on yourself. I mean, I, I can't hear what our parents are going through and not want to do everything I can to um, support them and their kids. It's uh, you know, and and I hope that everybody, every human should have that thing that sort of lights them up and they think this is not right. I'm going to do my teeny little part to try to fix this one little thing. 
Well, I, I don't know how else, you know, I'm, our involvement with Brigadoon, it was a no-brainer for us. Even before you got involved, we did some work with Wonder and them. But as soon as I had an understanding of what was happening there, I have three sons. They're all healthy, have no health issues that I know about, knock on wood. You can't look away. Like, I am so, my, Suzanne and I are so fortunate to have the kids that we have. Uh, so it was like, uh, yes, I will answer that call and continue to answer that call for as long as you need us, right? It's been a big year. I think this is an understatement. It's been a big year, a big couple of years for Brigadoon on many levels. But uh, can you elaborate on that, the changes that have happened there and what you're, what you're doing? Yeah, we, our CEO, David Graham, I mentioned that it's a progressive organization and this guy doesn't mess around. Some people He's saw awesome. the, yeah, Love him. Some people saw the pandemic coming and, and hit under a table. And if that's what they had to do, great. But Dave and, and uh, a few great people around him decided to use the pandemic as an opportunity to, you know, since we're not going to be open, let's do what we've always wanted to do and, and expand to help more kids. So Brigadoon typically doesn't receive any government funding uh, for our annual operations, but we were lucky enough during the pandemic to receive lump sum support from all three levels of government to expand our facility. So Bravo. Yeah. So suddenly the work that you did with Wonder that you mentioned was um, a campaign that I think we began in 2018. So before my time, we were going to raise $12.5 million and expand our facility over eight years. But suddenly during the pandemic, we get this money from the government, um, which has a, you know, a time clock ticking on it. We have to finish the work that we said we were going to do, but in one year. So we only wow. had one year to do eight years of expansion. And <laughs> so you can imagine during my interview, um, the pressure was on right away. Like you were about to start Before construction. Before the interview was over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're about to start construction. We're going to, you know, go from eight buildings to 20. So buckle up. Hope you're ready for the ride. And uh, it's, so now we've just completed the $12.5 million expansion. We completed it on time and on budget, which is wild and speaks to our board of directors. Well, and, it speaks to the Dave. subject matter, I think, because those things don't happen. I mean, we work for a lot of different people, um, that are in the middle of construction. And I, I just think people have another gear with subjects like this, the goal. Did you find that, that, you know, hardened construction guys, engineers, they were all like, there's another gear. Yeah. Yeah. We had a lot of great people involved in the project. A lot. I, I won't mention them because I'll forget some just like an award show or something, but you know, so many great uh, Atlantic Canadian brands involved in the project who made sure we came in on time and, yeah. and on budget. Yeah. So it was really just like the beginnings of Brigadoon. It was this super impassioned um, yeah. group effort to get the project done. It's like done a giant for the personal kids. project for everybody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and that's such a beautiful thing. And we, it is. you know, so we are buildings and speak of, uh, speaking of, you know, local support, Nickham and Associates is an architecture firm in Halifax that designed all of our original buildings and they came on to design our new buildings as well. So our facility looks state of the art. It's, um, if you've never, for anyone listening, if you've never been to Brigadoon or checked it out, it's just, it's not like what you would picture it's for incredible. a regular camp. It's incredible. I can tell you haven't been there a few times. Oh, it's, it's phenomenal gorgeous. what you've done. Like award-winning, yes. award-winning buildings. And uh, so it's just really, it makes us proud. And I think it makes those people involved, um, you know, thousands of the people who are involved to make it happen, really proud to know that this is, this is something that Atlantic Canadians own, that Atlantic Canadian families are using. And, you know, now we're set up to host a thousand kids a summer, 3,500 kids a year, which is just wild. Wow. And we know that the need is out there. Before we expanded, we were- So was, what is that number up from? Where were you 
with how many people you could put through in a summer to now? It's about, uh, well, we were hosting at our max about 700 kids a summer and about, you know, 2,000 a year. So even five times more. Yeah. So it's it not only allows us to, because we're a year-round operation, we have camps all year round. Okay. Um, but it's focused strictly on summer camps during the nine weeks of the summer. So that is strictly just condition-specific medical camps for kids. But yeah. um, through the fall and spring months, that's when we have family camps for kids who um, maybe can't go to overnight camp because of uh, cognitive issues that they have or medical issues that they have, their parents come with them. But we also host school groups um, who participate in like outdoor education curriculum wow. style programs. Yeah. And then corporations come and book our facility. So our numbers, now that we have all these extra buildings and all these additional accommodations, the numbers just grow exponentially. Wow. So yeah, it was it was a landmark year for us. And we have not experienced growth like that uh, in the history of our organization since we were built. And it it got a lot of attention. And we just need to keep that momentum going so that more families find out about how we can help them. So that, that leads me to my next question is, what are your goals in terms of marketing and growth for Brigadoon for over the next five or 10 years? Well, eventually, it's funny to talk about um, after just completing that project, you would think we would we would relax a bit, but there are still more kids who can't access our camp. Mainly those two groups would be kids who currently don't have a travel solution for kids who come to Brigadoon. So a child um, from Newfoundland, for example, who might want to come to one of our camps, their parents have to figure out travel to Brigadoon, um, which can be cumbersome and costly. So to have something like an in-city facility, um, something based in Halifax where a family can fly in and out, it's more central to the airport, that would help that sector of kids. And then there's also kids right here at the IWK who are either receiving medical treatments or they're too ill to leave the hospital and come to Brigadoon for them to be able to go to a, a day camp at an in-city facility um, with Brigadoon programming would be wonderful. We were Expansion. confident. Yeah. We're confident that our programming is transferable. We've we've got it down now where, you know, we have particular outcomes that we look to um, fulfill for our campers. We have particular programming. Our counselors just do a fantastic job at bringing these programs to life. We have a great relationship with the hospital. So all of our uh, camps are medically supported by a, a team of nurses, essentially, who are specifically designed for the conditions that are coming to that camp. And we feel like that model is strong enough to have legs in city. However, um, all of the steps that we take, even if we're you know not going about things in the, the traditional way for a not-for-profit, they're very tempered baby steps. So we have to make sure we're financially sound first with our current facility filled, and then we'll look towards doing something yeah. in city. I wanted to ask this. I mean, <clears throat> at its essence, someone with kidney disease is on an island. They're a child. You know, there's not a lot of other people around them with kidney disease. They come to Brigadoon to a camp geared for kids with kidney disease. What happens? What is that like when all of a sudden you realize you're not on an island and you're not isolated and there's a lot of other people that are suffering with the same thing that you are? Then you learn about it and you hang out with them. And do, do these relationships last? Do they carry on? Yeah, they're what we hear over and over again, year after year, is that they're rock solid. Uh, we have campers, um, two that come to mind, Jill and Sophie. They met their very first year at camp in 2011, became instantly best friends and and are still best friends. I think the friendships that are formed at Brigadoon are, they're a different type of friendship. They're friendships that, you know, that child who has maybe kidney disease, talking to another child with kidney disease, is suddenly able to have a conversation with that child that they wouldn't have ever been able to have with anyone else. Even a parent, an empathetic parent who loves their child more than anything, 
wouldn't understand what their child is going no. through fully, right? No. Even the nurses, even the doctors, even the therapists yes. um, that these kids see. So it's so, what we hear is that it's so isolating. Um, they feel, why me? They feel sometimes victimized. They feel, you know, it's sad. It's just yeah. sad yeah. to have a, a limitation when you're a kid. And you're not supposed to have those worries as a child about what you can and can't do. And, and um, you know, whether or not you're going to be sick from one day to the next or doctor's visits. It's just awful. So, you know, to be able to just vent all of that to yes. someone who really relates, thats it's like magic. And they, um, you know, the one of we were putting together our um, a, a bit of a report from the summer this year, and so we were looking over the magic moments that had happened at at camp this summer. And one of these magic moments that one of our counselors spoke of was the circle had formed of campers um, at our the Canadian Cancer Society Camp Good Times, which is our, our camp for kids living with or beyond cancer. These kids were sitting in a circle, touching each other's arms, and they they had noticed that they all had the same scar from where their portacath had been to where the intravenous medicine had had to be delivered during their treatment. Wow. And they were some scars that were really old, they were realizing felt this way, and some scars that were new looked a certain way. But anyway, you know, they had never seen another child with yeah. that scar before. And, yeah. and suddenly, you know, you look just like me, or you you, you can relate to this thing that happened to me and that's just uh we we hear stories from our campers who have to go into the hospital for treatment or surgery and another camper from their camp is on the same hospital floor as them um at the time and like the comfort that that yeah provides to that kid just to know like oh my yeah. body's here yeah they form some really special wonderful friendships that are based on just that connectivity the, the kids come from all different walks of life all over Atlantic Canada they have maybe nothing else in common except that but they're they're still um these really really solid long-term friendships that they form and, and and being there and filming there um what I saw were very confident strong young people engaged yeah you know um i didn't see down on themselves or depressed i mean i mean they're there for a minute effectively right we're there for the day but you can you can tell and you can see the relationships forming and the strength of that right that bond yeah we focus a lot on leadership at camp so we have you know in camp there are lots of different pursuits and programs that the campers take part in to push their boundaries and make them more more resilient teach them how to be more autonomous like our cooking program or go outside their comfort zone like our, our big ropes course but then yeah. we also have um which you guys braved uh we also have um lots of leadership opportunities for those who want to they feel confident enough that they want to turn their situation around and become more of a community leader so they can take part in leadership camps or come back and learn to be a counselor a lot of our campers become counselors we try to make it a full circle effect for the campers who come to us really like sad and and scared and, and grain not confident giving. yeah exactly giving back yeah. And and for those who haven't been there, the big ropes course is unbelievable. It's world class. I've never seen anything like it. It's awesome. It is. Yeah. It's it is not for the faint of heart. I've no. gone up to the top and um I mean it's fully accessible. It's it so blows well my mind. done though. It's incredible what you've done there. We get any anybody can go up there. Wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah, we had several uh campers no barrier. in wheelchairs this year yeah. go up. It's it's wild. The very first um, camper in a wheelchair who went up, her name was Gabby, and and uh, she has CP. She also has epilepsy, and just the smile yeah. on her face yeah. when she was being wheeled up, and certainly when she was um, being let down. And you know, there wasn't a dry eye on site. All no. the campers were in tears. Because and then it it's so prominent. You see it. I think it makes a statement right out of the gate. We're strong. There's nothing we can't do, and that's why we built this for everybody to enjoy. 
you wouldn't expect to see that at a camp like that. No, and I think that that's that's something that you know it is a it is a world class facility, and it yeah. looks really high end. But you know, it's important to note. I think that even though it costs a lot of money to send a camper to camp, the parents who are sending their kids there are not required to to pay that. You know, we have a pay what you can model. So parents, even though it's about it's that's really with inflation, fantastic. it's about two thousand dollars to send sure. a kid to to camp for a week at Brigadoon. But we don't qualify our parents um, financially. We don't ask them any questions. We just allow them to tell us what they can wow. afford to on, pay. On your honor. Yeah, on your honor. Um, you know, someone who makes on paper good money might have had a horribly tough exactly. year exactly. and can only afford to pay $200. And we, who are we to ask? So yeah. we just let them decide and then we fundraise the remaining amount. So it, it works out to be about 15% of our parents pay the full yeah. um, price tag and 85% we end up fundraising for. Wow. So uh, social media, how important is social media to what you do and getting your message out there consistently? Yeah, social media is is a fabulous tool for a couple of reasons. It is, first of all, as a not-for-profit agency who's trying to be careful with every dollar, yeah. it's for the most part free um, to keep that community of campers and donors engaged in what we're doing. You know, of course, there's there are avenues to, to do paid campaigns, but for the most part, that awesome engagement with, you know, campers seeing um, pictures of themselves posted from camp and donors getting to see the impact of their dollar. It's it's probably the best tool that we have yeah. for that real time impact. Um, and it's been it's been a really fun project especially my first year kind of growing, figuring out what our voice was going to be. We did a lot of analytic research into who was actually on our social media channels and, right. and uh, who we were actually talking to, what our voice and tone should be and, and stuff like that. And uh, and once we found that sweet spot, we realized how great of a tool it could be. Now, personally, I know that you know this, but I, I, I don't know if this is bad to say as a marketer, but I despise social media personally. I can't yeah. be anywhere near it. I just don't like it. Yeah. Um it sucks the life out of me. I um I don't like it. So we when we happened upon your social media support program, it was like, you know, the angels sang down and take suddenly, it take it oh, from please, me. Please yeah. take it because after a whole year of digging and researching and analytics and realizing how important it was, I was stuck with uh, like I don't have social media personally. I I try to avoid it at all costs. And and so knowing that you had uh, Samantha on staff to to help and she's just so dang good at it. Yeah, she's really good. It was, uh, it's, it's the best thing that happened to our marketing program, I think in 2022. Yeah. It's just been amazing. And she loves you guys. Like she would literally do anything for I you know. guys. I like, know. Because of what it is. And you can tell, you know, she, it's hard. Our, our sort of voice and tone is we kind of come to social media from the perspective of a counselor. Yeah. That's what our campers relate to the most. And uh, so she just, I didn't know if it would be difficult for her to pick that up uh, or whatever. She got it but right She just away. embodied it. Yeah. yeah. And the stuff that she puts out there, we, we haven't received as many comments on our social media ever as we have in the past, wow. I'd say six months. She's wow. just killing it. Yeah. Yeah. Love her. Marketing, you've been doing marketing for a while. We've talked about what is it that keeps you excited about it? I think those lightning rod people, I mean, it, it probably wouldn't matter what I was doing, whether I had gone into science or marketing, like we all know at this bio about the midpoint in our lives that there's real no, there's no right answer to what you should be doing. It's just whatever feels right, right? That's yes. whatever, whatever pumps you up is what you should focus on. And and I just happened to pick something in life where I, I found a stream that I, I can get really excited about. But I think regardless of what I was doing in life to, you know, cover the cost of living, I would have to be surrounded by really good humans who care a lot about other humans and are really 
really good at what they do. I seem to be attracted to those yeah. people. Yeah. Just, you know, masters of their craft. Within Brigadoon, it's funny, we have like 14 people. We each do entirely different things. And each person is just an expert at what they do. And I, I literally can't imagine any other person doing their job. And right. So for me, that's like the perfect team. I just respect them all so much. But even the people who I bring into our, our circle, um, like the Jeffs at Ronald McDonald House or the U at Jive, you know, the folks at National, the folks at Wonder, whatever. Yeah. I, I just want to be surrounded by people who are just really, really, really I good. I couldn't at, agree more. Yeah. Is it brings the best out in you? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's selfish. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's uh it's a good way to spend your time on the earth just learning. I, I'm just always curious and wanting to Well there's and there's a security in that, you know, like when you're when you're happy to be working with people that are arguably smarter than you, that's the goal. Like Yeah, yeah. And and to applaud them and to be happy that they're working with you, you know. That's it. There's no there should be no ego involved no. in work. No. It's work. It's, it's work. not life. <laughs> what advice you, would you give to people starting out, thinking about going into marketing, young people or anybody? I think, well, that, um, don't take work too seriously. It is just work. Unless yeah. you are a brain surgeon or a rocket scientist or something. We always I mean, say we're not curing cancer here. Right. Those people take it seriously. <laughs> yes. Um, come to work ready to be on point. But anyone else, I mean, uh, unless it unless it fills your cup to take work seriously. I mean, that's the beauty of life. You can choose your own path and yes. you know, power to anyone, however they want to go through this game. But for me, um, it just, I feel like this generation of young people feels a lot of pressure. I mean, like how would you pay for university or ever think of buying a house or get into the um, industry that you want to get into? There's for some reason, I don't know if it's implied or real, but there's a lot of pressure on young people right now. Yes. They feel it anyway. And um, I feel like young people should just know that regardless of what path you choose, you can make it right for yourself. There's no, you don't have to worry about whether you were supposed to do this, but you really feel drawn to this. Like it's your show. You yes. make the rules. So um, just maybe that's my second piece of advice. Get really good at listening to your gut instinct because yes. that will guide you um and it's a it's a muscle so you have to well you mentioned before and i really picked up on that that physical feeling when you found something like i don't want to gloss over that because i had the same absolute feeling with photography yeah i had a, a camera for christmas and i started and i couldn't put it down i couldn't do anything else and it, you know guys i work with are the same way so that's when you know there's no off-ramp like that there's nothing else that's going to give you that feeling and if you're going to get up every day and commit 40 or 50 hours a week to something, I think you better like it. That's right. Yeah. If you're not, I mean, for me, like my happy place is my family. Um, yeah. If I could, if I could just spend time with my family Same. all yeah. day long, yeah. that's enough for me. Yeah. Um. So if I have to be away from my happy place, it better be something really yeah. good. Yeah. Last question. What advice, if any, would you give your younger self? Oh, this isn't professional advice. Does that matter? Doesn't matter. I would say pay less attention to what guys think. There. <laughs> Just listen Perfect. to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I think I could have benefited from that advice, but um, yeah, I think that's good advice for any young lady. Callie, thank you for making the time. I know you're busy and you have a lot going on, but this is important. We really wanted to have you on and it's been great. Oh, we appreciate the opportunity so much. We love you guys and uh, thank you so much for having me. Onward and upward. Yeah, that's right. That's it for us. Bye-bye. We really love hearing these stories from our creative community. So stay tuned as we will be inviting more folks to come and chat with us.
This podcast has been brought to you by Jive Photographic Productions. From branding images to droning to podcasts, we are your one-stop shop for multimedia. Want to learn more? Check out jivephotographic.com. Until next time, keep it creative.